Welcome to The Word at Westminster, a podcast with talks, studies, interviews, sermons, and more from Westminster Church in Barrie, Canada. It's about learning and living God's Word. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I was recently interviewed by Chris Poliniagam from the Vancouver School of Theology as a part of their Congregational Vitality Initiative. This episode is a recording of that conversation. There's also a YouTube version. It's aimed at people training for ministry, but I think our discussion is of interest to a wider audience as well. He asked me about spiritual disciplines as a part of our love for God. How to encourage a congregation to engage in spiritual disciplines. Using the Bible in a transformative way. Living in a context of spiritual warfare. Having a biblical worldview. Being clear about what our goals are. How to nurture a discipleship ethos in a congregation and what advice I might give to a newer pastor who also wants to create a discipleship ethos in their congregation. In the online home base for this episode, you can find the links and resources that were mentioned. Enjoy! So, so Matthew, thank you for sharing your time with us today. Uh, it's a gift to have you share not just your time, but your experience and wisdom in life and ministry. Uh, as you know, we are exploring the, uh, the the DNA of healthy churches and, and what, what needs to be at the core of a healthy church. And in particular, those four strands that uh, I, I might have sent you before this. Uh, two of the strands have to do with a believer's uh, uh, life. So loving God, loving neighbor. And two of the strands have to do with the organizational part of being church, which is uh, one is being hopeful, adaptive all the time, you know, where vision resides. And the other one is having leadership that is uh, catalytic, servant-hearted, uh, empowering leadership. So I'd like to mind that the, the strand that do with loving God, loving neighbor, in particular, the loving God piece. Uh, and so... Uh, I'd like to kind of get deeper into your experience and your ministry in that particular area. I know that you have a very strong discipleship program in your church, and I'd like to kind of explore that and extract some uh, learnings that we can and some best practices as well. Uh, we know that the strands themselves are interconnected. You can kind of separate each out. They have to be taken as a whole. But I want to drill down a little deeper in some specific area of these strands. So, uh, may I ask you, Matthew, to kind of introduce yourself, tell us who you are for the wider audience, Canadian audience, uh, because this video will go, will hopefully be seen by churches across Canada. And uh, tell us a little bit about your life and ministry, and then I'll ask you, I'll ask you all the questions. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, Chris. That sounds interesting. I appreciate your passion for it. Uh, so a few things about me. Um, yeah, so my name is Matthew Rutan. I'm the, the pastor at Westminster uh, Presbyterian Church in Barrie, um, Canada, which is about an hour north of, of Toronto. And I've been there for 14 and a half years. So I've been there for, for a while now. Uh, I'm married. Uh, Laura and I have been married for over 20 years. I have three kids and my kids, uh, two girls and a boy. My kids right now are 9, 11, and 13. So I'm just kind of entering this. They're not really totally tiny anymore, but they're getting a bit older. Um, and something that's important that will come up is, is kind of my primary sort of identity and, and call. I, I really consider myself a servant of the Word of God. And so when we say word of God, so the living word, Jesus, obviously, and the, the written word, which is the Bible. And so really a servant of, of the divine word or God's word is how I would say that. Um, 
so writing an online ministry is a big part of, of what I do. And uh, so um, I write a daily devotional called uh, Up, or The Up uh, Daily Devotional. So it comes out uh, five mornings a week. And uh, I kind of call it, uh, you know, the, the handle is, you know, the, your one-minute shot of soul espresso. So it's very short. Uh, it comes out on email as a blog, uh, social media platforms, and it's a podcast. And it, there's also a radio version in uh, central Canada. So that's that's a big part of what I do. And then two of my books have come out of that. So uh, one's called Up and one is called Turbulence. And so that uh, those are both kind of collections of, of that. And then podcasting is something that uh, for the past couple of years has been a big part of what I do. So uh, the devotional comes out as a podcast, but there's also the Pulse podcast uh, with Matthew Rutan. So me. So and there's really three kinds of content that are on that. So one is uh, weekly biblical studies and um so, you know, when you do a sermon, you do all this research, and you don't present all of that in the sermon, you present some of it. And so it's kind of an opportunity for people who want to grow deeper in their knowledge of the text. So I just kind of lay it all out. Uh, there's featured talks, so maybe there's something. Uh, we, we did a, for example, uh, a little while ago, we did a, a congregational-wide fast. So I did a piece on fasting. So here's what that's about. And then there's also uh, featured talks, so I'll interview people. So um Recently, I talked with Greg Kokel, who's kind of the—he's kind of a world, uh, you know, world, worldwide. I guess he's known as an apologist. Uh, Tom Rayner, I interviewed recently. He's the president of Church Answers and was uh, CEO of Lifeway. And so, about the difference between church membership and and being a church consumer. So there's also talks like that. So um, that's that's a part of it. And yeah, I'm just passionate about you know Jesus, the Bible, uh, spiritual disciplines. I get excited about discipleship in a down-to-earth way. Um, my family love Christian biography. People, you know, saints uh, of the past who've been through really difficult things, that's been encouraging. And then um, something I've been learning more about and getting more involved in is is the is the horrors of, of human trafficking. So it's a, it's a real big problem globally, but also here in Canada. So just doing some things to kind of raise some money or awareness ar- around trafficking and uh, trying to help in some small way there. So that's a bit of a snapshot of, of me. Lovely, beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. I put a question with regard to the resources that you are producing and, and, and making available to the general public. I'm assuming they are free. Uh, where does one find them? And I'd like to maybe post them on this interview itself, you know, give a link or something and so that people can pick it up. So maybe- Yeah, sure. Absolutely free. There's a, so that I can mention a bunch of the resources at, at the end, but uh, definitely there's a couple links, my website and the devotional has an up has its own site and everything. I can totally share that with you. Okay. Good. So, uh, question time. Yeah. And uh, I, I've got some questions to ask you, but I know you can go anyway. We want you to go. So, I'll start. Uh, and I'll just to reiterate we are examining this particular DNA strand called mm-hmm. loving God. Uh, and of course, loving neighbor and loving others comes with that. But in particular, loving God, and uh, I've got a question to start off with, and that is, uh, what are some of the ways in which you intentionally build and encourage spiritual practice in your community? Mm, yeah. Uh, I think the the primary one would be biblical knowledge. And I think that is, and you'll you'll hear that kind of come through in a variety, a variety of the answers, but biblical knowledge, because, you know, knowledge of the Bible is means you have a growing knowledge of of God and, and His will. So I think that's really, really important. And so when we look at kind of the culture of the church, how are you um, 
you know, you know, is scripture and kind of the explanation of these teachings, is that central to what you do? Um, do you have Bible studies? Do you have small groups? Are they focused on something else or are they, um, you know, building up uh, biblical knowledge? And so the, uh, I've got a little expression that I'll say to the congregation frequently, uh, you know, the more you get into God's word, the more God's word gets into you. So the more we study these things, the more we are going to learn about God, and the more those things are going to become natural to us in terms of how we think and a relationship and, and how we act. So I think biblical knowledge is that fundamental thing. How how are we integrating that biblical knowledge? Not because, you know, it's just something, a, a box to tick, but because there's a direct relationship between uh, biblical knowledge and, and knowledge of, of God's will and who God is, what his character is like, uh, what he calls us to do, those sorts of things. Another thing I would say... Uh, in terms of intentionally building and encouraging spiritual practice, and this is kind of a context piece, is is take the context um, seriously about spiritual warfare. So, I think I think that's so important because it's something that kind of the modern church has lost in in some way. But when you look through the scriptures, um, you know the, the the context reality is is you know God determines what reality, and the reality is that we are living in a context of spiritual warfare. So if you think that you know. Faith and going to church and, and reading the Bible and stuff is just about, okay, you living your life, and then I'm going to have a few moral tweaks here and there, then you're, you're, you're kind of missing out what's going on. So there's a, you know, you are engaged in a spirit world battle, whether you know it or not. So, um, you know, taking that seriously, and, and that's a motivating factor, really. If I'm going to, if I cultivate spiritual practices, I'm going to learn more about God. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, um, you know, we are in this context of battle, so we need to take this seriously. And what does God say about who we are, what reality is like, and, and live in light of that reality? Um, otherwise, we're losing out. And that's not to intimidate people. It's simply reality. This is this is actually reality, and, and you are in this whether or not you recognize it. So, um, And then I think that what I would say next, to kind of third and finally about that, Chris, is that kind of just communicate, communicate, communicate around two things. And the first is personal or private, you know, spiritual disciplines. And the second is corporate spiritual disciplines. And these are things, again, this is related to the biblical knowledge because, you know, these are things that God has given to us um, that we might grow in our relationship with Him, grow in our knowledge of Him, grow in Christ-likeness. And so, you know, private spiritual disciplines or personal disciplines, I would put on that category, you know, Bible reading, prayer, um, yeah, uh, I would put memorization in there as well, uh, biblical memorization, which is important uh, to me. Uh, fasting would be a part of that. And servanthood as well, uh, which could be part of that. Now, that's also corporate. So corporate is, you know, worship, obviously, you know, you know, getting together with the gathered community. Um, study can be that in the context of if you're with other people. Uh, fellowship. And, uh, and I would say this about fellowship, because I think fellowship gets a bad rap, you know, getting together with other believers. And part of it's because you know people's like, oh, the church, you know, uh, um, oh, you know, the, you know, pe- people, you know, someone said, you know, something mean to my spouse three years ago, or uh, you know, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, hey, we're all hypocrites to a certain degree, uh, but this is actually a spiritual discipline. It's something we intentionally choose to do, and God has given this for us for our benefits. So, uh, now I'm quoting from memory here. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, you know, the church is a training ground, or or you know, fellowship is a training ground. So you know, if we're supposed to love one another and even love our enemies and take that seriously, you know, the church is a training ground for that. So if we can't do that with other people, even if we have disagreements with them or have different personalities or whatever, or we like different things, 
Um, if we can generally agree that Jesus is important and we can't love each other, we're not going to be able to do it out there. So, um, so fellowship is one of those corporates, and then, and then servanthood is a part of that too. What are the outreaches? What are the opportunities? So, so communicate, communicate, communicate. The idea there is, you know, in the resources we do in in the worship, like I'm not sure a Sunday goes by where I'm not communicating something about a spiritual discipline, something. So the more it's on people's minds, and I've been here 14 and a half years, so it's going to be a part of a part of that that culture. So uh, anyway, so those are a few thoughts on that. Well, that's great. I, this interview can go on for hours because there's so much to to, to glean out of this. So I, I want to ask mm-hmm. some questions based on what you just said with regard to the, uh, the uh, Bible, yeah. knowledge of the Bible piece, right? So... I, it's been said, you know, the Bible is good for uh, to inform, mm. form, and transform. Yeah, know, that's good. In that, in that in that kind of sequence. Yeah, and how do you? What do you do uh, to help that process happen so that it it's, it goes from staying in the mind to actually distilling down to your heart and then out in our in terms of action, yeah. in terms of uh, you know, because Bible information, like we know, can just yeah. stick in the mind, right? But what are some of the things that you do to, and mm-hmm. you and your staff, and you know, the leadership does to help people to actually be transformed by reading? Yeah, like, I can't really speak, you know, too much about other people, but in terms of me and my own practices and kind of the, the church, kind of corporately, uh, the more people study the Bible. Uh, the more they will see. And so people can fall into that thinking, well, okay, this is just about the accumulation of information, which is just totally wrong. Because if you're actually taking it seriously and reading it, you will see that it says to do certain sorts of things. Um, if you know about a commandment and don't do it, you actually don't know it. Uh, if Jesus says to love one another, if you know that, I can go, okay, that's John 13, um, but you don't do it. You actually you actually haven't heard it. So, um, you know, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then the res- there's always a response to it. So, uh, one of the things I think is broken down kind of in modern teaching and, and preaching just from my own observation is application. So um, the idea is that, like, let's say, let's take a sermon, for example, because a sermon is a pretty central component of worship, and it's, I do a lot of it. So I'll use that, but you could apply this in other ways, too. So, you know, we're teaching, okay, here, so here, so Jesus says to love one another. And this is on my mind because I'm preaching about it on Sunday, John 13. So uh, okay. it says to love one another, and this is the immediate context as him washing the disciples' feet. But it's perfect for our interview. Oh, there you go. There you go. Strength. Yeah. Love God, love your neighbor. So, right? uh, you know, <laughs> okay. so you've got this this love acceptance. And so, okay, okay so, so what is love? And then how do we do it? So what is the next step of application? So there should always be that sense in our teaching is, okay, here's what it means. Here's what we are compelled to do by it. And I think even with biblical study, having two questions, and I'm encouraged the congregation with this, is having two questions always in your mind. Okay, we read through a text. Uh, what does this teach us about who God is? Second question is, uh, what does this make us want to do? And so it's always kind of having that application. So, okay, knowledge is always going to have some sort of application. And we know it, and, you know, Jesus' half-brother James says it, you know, faith without deeds is dead. And and Jesus himself talks about, you know, uh, producing fruit, you will know them by their fruits. So um, I think that's that's part of it, and just always thinking, okay, there's the knowledge, and then there's the application. There's the information, then there's the doing. So just kind of keeping those through very close all the time, and knowing that really genuine faith is always going to produce some sort of result. Right? So like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness from Galatians 5. So if if we are, if our, if our belief in G- Jesus is genuine, 
it it will produce change in us. It might look different in different people. Some some of the change might take longer, but if that if that belief is genuine, it, it will affect our lives, and we will start to live differently as a result. Because the Holy Spirit cannot work uh, in someone who is who is genuinely a uh, believer. So, do you have any um, accountability uh, environments built into this so that it helps people to make that you know help people to apply what they are learning? in a kind of corporate setting or do you is it generally left to the individual to apply what he or she hears and yeah well you can never force anything so you know for me for example i will um you know i'll teach i will talk about okay well here's here's how this applies to our lives or or giving them something to do you know if we're talking about forgiveness you know for example um you know the importance of that and it's very important in fact it's one of the top three reasons when you go through the new testament one of the top three reasons why people don't believe is a spirit of unforgiveness. So, like, f- forgiveness is huge, and so something to do. Okay, hey, when you're when you when you realize that you've actually been wrong, be the first to apologize. You know, it's a very practical step to do, right? So sometimes it's just doing that, and you can't force people, so you're not going to follow up individually on their lives. And there is a new emerging challenge with accountability because most of us, I think, are still doing online and in person. So you don't even know who your audience or the congregation is sometimes. So it's really hard to follow up with people you don't really know. But what I would say is kind of the accountability more directly comes as people then are uh, in fellowship and in groups. So if there's a small groups program or a Bible study or something that's connected to worship or connected to the text, you are talking with other people about how this is taking shape in your life. So uh, I think that's important. That's where the fellowship comes in. Um, Absolutely. Now, I would also say... Um, for my own kind of how I do ministry, I also have this daily devotional. So quite often those devotionals are reinforcing points from the sermon. And so if someone's listened to a sermon or a worship service, you know, Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're going to get up and they're going to hear themes repeated that I've said, you know, encouraging them in the practical application. So that's, I'm not sure that's really accountability, but it kind of helps it keep it on people's top of mind. Just for my information, what's the... uh worshiping strength or numbers on a Sunday, like if you include online and in person? Online and in person. Um, yeah, I guess if you combine them, maybe 180, 190, I and guess. do you have additional stuff yeah. uh, apart from you, Matthew? We have a part-time music director and youth coordinator, and we also have a communications coordinator. So someone who coordinates the online, the website, the podcast, the social media stuff, and then someone who helps with youth ministry and someone who helps with, with music as well. And then there's the elders. So something else I want to pick up yeah. on what you just... Uh, yeah. And I would say, by the way, I would say probably the, the congregation is probably about 400 people, but but you never get everyone at the same time. So that's... <laughs> that's part of, so it's like some of those are core group, and then there's right. like other group of 40 or 50 who's always changing week by week with, you know, shift work and traveling and illness and everything else. Thanks. One more thing I want to pick up from your first answer, and that is you mentioned spiritual warfare. That's something that uh, I absolutely agree with you, and something that's actually not mm-hmm. not lifted high enough, uh, especially in the West. Uh, how do you how do you approach it? How yeah. do you do that? Because I've I've come across people who kind of poo poo that right and spiritual warfare. It doesn't really happen. Yeah. You're you know you're making things up, and even if it's in the in the, in the Bible, they think of you know. How Jesus uh, uh, 
exorcise demons. Oh, that was in his day, but it, we don't have that anymore. You know, how do you how do you right. kind of counter that that mindset? Well, I would I would say it's kind of related to later what I will call one of the main challenges is like a secular worldview versus a biblical worldview. So a worldview is really the lens through which you see and understand reality or the world. And so really in the past couple hundred years, especially here in you know North America and in Europe uh, through different forms of biblical criticism, um, really kind of we, we've, you know, we've kind of adopted, we've, we've kind of accepted almost passively this kind of uh, naturalism, uh, really where the kind of, there's not really miracles and, and God really doesn't intervene in human history. He's kind of a, uh, some, some distant deity who, who, you know, puts things in motion and leaves them to be, but that's not really the biblical worldview. So now I think more in more recent times, even in academic circles, there's been a pushback to that. Um, and, you know, the, the miraculous, God intervening and working in human history is a part of that. And then spiritual warfare comes into that uh, as well. So I think just taking opportunities to to highlight that, um, you know, especially, you know, really popularized by Rudolf Bultmann, the idea of, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the mythological, you know, conception of this three-tiered universe. And a lot of people really adopted that. But um, I, I just don't think it's, it's true. I actually, I can share this link with you as well. Uh, there's a guy in Toronto named John Thompson, and he's written a book called Deliverance. So he has a deliverance ministry. And um, yeah, maybe. So I, I interviewed him about spiritual warfare, and we kind of go in more depth why there has been this shift away. Um, but uh, anyway, so I'll share that link with you. But it's it's really good to talk to. And, and let me just say that I, you know, I grew up in kind of a mainline context, and I am in uh, currently a mainline context. So so I get it. You know, I, it's been dismissed, I know. But the more I study and research, the more I talk to people, wow, this is this is actually a reality, and when you kind of align your thinking and your behavior with that world, um, taking these things seriously, um, it, it kind of changes your perspective because this is actually the battle we're in. And we need to equip ourselves appropriately. Doesn't mean we think you know there's a demon under every corner, but it is a reality, a part of our world. And by the way, it's, this isn't isn't a question. Other parts of the world, like you, you look at other places of the world, like China, Africa, India, like. This is normal. Like, this is reality. Of course this happens. It's in the scriptures. But in North America and, and Europe, we've kind of, um, kind of a, a different kind of a liberalism as a, when it comes to, you know, interpretation, which is, you know, not served as well in some ways. I'm glad you mentioned worldview because that's, that's important. And the, the, the part of the world that I come from, the developing world, or so the mm -hmm. majority world, yeah. like I said, it's not an issue. That's, that's, yeah. the, way, that's the way it's seen, right? So, thanks. Yeah. So um, back to spiritual practice, I kind of mm -hmm. want to steer a little bit more longer before moving on. Uh, you know, I've heard it said that spiritual practice is really uh, three things put together, intention, mm -hmm. intention, and repetition. Uh, and are there ways that you encourage that? I know you mentioned a little bit, but are there ways that you encourage that in your own congregation? Uh, not just for you, but, you know, your leaders and everybody else. That whole intention, attention, repetition cycle, which builds the practice with this corporate or huh, yeah, or um, nothing comes uh, to mind immediately in terms of like massive. Sorry, was you that? mentioned fasting, for example. You mentioned you mentioned oh, right. fasting, for example, right? I mean, fasting. So even if it's done every three months, it's repeated. It's, there's an intention, there's attention right. to it, right. and there's repetition. Any of those? So, uh, do any of those things exist? I know that your yeah. mentions or your podcast, mm. which people listen to every day. That's yeah, absolutely, kind of yeah. 
Yeah, some sort of pattern of life, I think. So so I would say with the personal disciplines, mm-hmm. we need to be reading mm-hmm. our Bibles every day, praying every day. Um, you know, corporately, we're, we're trying to get to worship, you know, weekly if we can, although I know that um, I think it's only 5 6% of Canadians are in worship every week. So it's really a changing dynamic here in Canada, especially. Um, but yeah. I think those things corporately uh, study kind of consistently. So I think those are important. And I would I would totally agree with you. I think the habit is so important. Like, what is it? What do psychologists say? You know, you, you do something every day for six weeks, it becomes a habit or, or whatever. Um, yeah, and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm an adherent of the belief that, you know, at first you make your habits, and then your habits make you. And so you kind of get into this rhythm. And so yeah. Yeah. one thing I would encourage people is to develop a personal system. So what is your, what is your daily pattern uh, where you are cultivating a relationship with God? And so some people might be getting up early. Mm. Okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to read a text, I'm going to pray through a psalm, or something like, what is my pattern? How do I do that? And uh, that's something I'm personally very big on and encourage others in as well. So when you can kind of develop those patterns and kind of keep mm. at it, it starts to shape your character and, and your thinking more and more. And the more you do it, the more natural and easy easy it becomes. Now, the trick with that, I will say, is that it can become religious in the sense that this is a box I tick. Yes. And I think that's with someone who is very right? you know disciplined and I, I like to think I am most of the time, um, and encouraging that with others. That's that's the risk. You can fall into, oh, I'm just doing this, and I've done my little chunk of time. Yeah. So uh, you just kind of yeah. need to do some heart work. Yeah. You know what? You know interiority. What am I? Uh, how's my relationship with God? Am I being honest? Well, just keeping Keep it, it light, focused right? that you're actually yeah. talking to God. You know the 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 Lord of the universe, um, not just the sky or or yourself it's like this is this is god and uh, you can boldly approach the the throne of grace hebrews 4 he's given us this great privilege and we can come to him through jesus praise be to god um and so just keeping it uh, keeping yourself reminded that this is actually uh god you're talking to uh, always helps absolutely and uh yeah all right so let's move on move along mm-hmm. and again through its spiritual practice but what have you observed along the way in terms of uh you know, outcomes meaning positive outcomes and on and and the challenges as yeah. well as you as you've rolled yeah. out this you know f- invitation for people to become more love God more. Yeah, I would say one of the things is you need to communicate what an outcome is. So uh, if we don't communicate to people what the outcome is, they're just going to get that answer from a whole bunch of different places. So you know, what is the outcome? Well, you know, we want to glorify God. We want to glorify God without, what's our outcome of my life? Is it to be happy? No. Is it to be healthy? No. Those things are nice. I, I want them for people. I pray them for other people. But really, mm-hmm. you know, we, we want to glorify God. We want to know Him. We want to serve Him as the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to share His love with others, right? Those are the outcomes. So I would say you need to communicate what the outcomes are, which are, again, it goes back to the biblical knowledge, because if we're not getting those answers from the Bible, we're going to get them from a variety of lesser places. So... I think that's the, you know, Christ-likeness. We want to be like Christ. Well, what is that? Well, it's what Jesus says and does. So, you know, it goes back to that biblical knowledge. So I think I think it's communicating the outcome. And, and we can't underestimate the importance of the Internet in this. And I do a lot of stuff online and, mm-hmm. and online ministries and everything else, and the church does as well. But this is where people spend their time and where they live much of their lives. And so I think there's many opportunities to kind of communicate outcomes, the, the big things, in the online world, because this is kind of the 
kind of this is the water which is saturating our our thinking. So there's really good opportunities mm-hmm. to communicate the big picture outcomes. What is what is the, what is the meaning of life? What is you know what is success? What is discipleship? You know what what is good in the world in my life? Because I'll tell you, you know, Disney has an answer. Fox News has an answer. Mm-hmm. The CBC has yep. an answer. School <laughs> curriculum has an answer. Yep. So if we're not getting those outcomes from from the Bible, we're going to be kind of kind of led astray. I think I think in terms of the challenges, Chris, what I would say is you know, so, before yeah. you go there, before you go there, mm-hmm. Matthew, I I think you name something really really important because it seems that because of what people are hearing in terms of messaging from various sources, even the church. Mm-hmm. Those outcomes can actually determine what the inputs are going to be, right, and how the practices are going to unfold. So, for example, if what you're hearing is from the church is that people, you, the church wants you to become a good church citizen, right? Then, if that's the outcome that's expected, then of course you will do things to become the good citizen, including learning the entire church manual by heart at the exp- at the expense of not doing your Bible, right? You know right. I, mean? I see. I'm being facetious, but you know. Uh, Right, so I'm I'm so glad you named it because that is so crucial. If if your outcome is not becoming more like Jesus or glorifying mm-hmm. God, if it's anything else, then obviously the the what you're going to get at the end is what yeah. what you what, what you decide yeah. outcome. And yeah, thanks. Well, for what was that? I think it's a T.S. Eliot poem. You know, the end is where you start from. So what is the end goal? Mm. That's where you start from. Mm. And you work backwards, mm-hmm. and it applies to everything. Like, mm-hmm. what's what's church membership about? Well, what are the vows people are taking? That's what it's about. Then you work backwards to create a program that helps people know what they're saying in those vows, or Christ likeness. Mm-hmm. Well, what is Christ like? Then you work backwards. So, so it's a yeah, yeah. What are your baptism vows, for example? Yeah, right? um, challenges. So I've talked about loss of biblical knowledge. Talked about secular worldview and biblical worldview. I think that's huge. That's massive, especially as we yeah. kind of shift away from a kind of a predominant Judeo-Christian um, yeah. kind of worldview. Um, yeah. And as the as the culture gets increasingly either indifferent or here in Canada hostile towards uh, towards people of faith, um, I think that's a challenge because really, if if you kind of come to church once in a while, you know, you're, you're just getting you're getting killed out there. Um, like, like the, just the, the saturation of, of the messages around, around what is reality, around what is good, uh, the purpose of your mm-hmm. life. It's like, you come to a church service once a month, it's like, what's that, 0.001% of your time? And so, so yes. to actually be, you know, to be, to be in the scriptures, to be, to be devoted. So I think there's a great opportunity. You know, we are countercultural. You know, Christianity is very countercultural now. Um, other things out there aren't countercultural. Yes. Uh, like, we're, we're basically, well, there's lots of differences still, but sometimes you feel like, okay, we're actually in first century Rome here. Um, we, we we are very different, and um, and that's okay, and that's a good thing. We're not we're not supposed to be in those positions. Of, but I would say the third thing I would mention in terms of challenges, kind of the main category, would be busyness. And this is a very practical mm-hmm. thing. So I think I think a lot of people are very busy, and it's kind of like the invisible badge of honor, Chris. Like you ask people how they're doing, nine times out of ten, they're going to say, yes. "Good, I'm busy." Good, you know, it's like mm-hmm. this. Well, if if I'm busy, I must be important, right? Um, and especially as we emerge from the pandemic, you know, people weren't doing stuff. Now we're tired. We're kind of worn out. The situation is more politically divisive, um, all over the place. And people have all these different thoughts. Some families are under strain and now we're trying to get up to speed with stuff we were doing before. So people are, a lot of people are not doing well. Then you got, you know, price of gas and groceries and mortgage rates and everything else. So, so people, people were busy before and now they're busy with strain that they didn't experience before. So, I think really kind of that schedule management 
uh, really is a challenge for people. So when kind of the kind of what I forget who said this, like the tyranny of the urgent over you yes. know, the necessity of the important yeah. really is a really challenge for people. So, you know, frequently, you know, coming in, how can I create, put that margin back in? How can I rest? How can I, how can I kind of set parameters around my digital life? And I think that's some, especially for new pastors and, and Christians coming, how do I manage that? Because, you know, um, you know, physical rest without mental rest is not rest. And what happens is we have this stimulus all the time and this data, you know, the more, yes. the more on social media you are, the more depressed you'll get, the more anxious you'll get. Like there's data yeah. on this stuff. Yeah. So especially for young yeah. people. Yeah. So um, busyness has really kind of cluttered and really kind of, kind of put, put this, put this strain in this kind of dark cloud over people, which really kind of doesn't, you know, put you in a position to really succeed when you're trying to create, you know, habits to, to cultivate your relationship with God. So to name those three challenges again, so the second one was secular worldview, mm -hmm. third one was business. What is the first? Would be one that again? loss of biblical knowledge. Loss and so I think that's a wide, that's a wide ranging cultural think, thing. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who is, um, uh, who's in a church, and they they had some other group meeting, and and some teenagers came up. They're meeting in the church through the week, and they came up to the sanctuary. Like, what's going on? And what what's this room used for? Oh, worship services. And and oh, what's that on the pulpit? There was a Bible. They had never heard of a Bible. Oh my goodness! Like that's no. To me, that's you know you don't hear that type of story very often. But to not hear about no, it, no. Um, wow. and then you and, and then within the church, even there's a there's been a radical loss of of biblical knowledge, and maybe that's a sub Absolutely. issue of of kind of not trusting its authority or its that it's Absolutely. inspired or whatever. But uh, so it's a big and issue. But that's one, one. And the first and second are linked, right? Because if you don't know your Bible, then your worldview is not affected by your Bible; it's affected by something else. Yeah. And the other messages you're hearing. Yeah, so. we all have a worldview. Yeah. We all have we all have yeah. a sense of what reality is and that lens through which we see mm -hmm. it. So um, if we're not thinking proactively, we're just going to passively slide into some other understanding, largely informed by the media we consume, the people we interact with. And we all have one, regardless of whether or not we think it. It's are we being proactive about it? I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not even saying that you know, there's only kind of one way to see reality through the lens of the Bible. I'm just saying that, you know, you need to do the work to figure out, okay, what, what does the scripture teach about this, about reality? Um, and, and then go from there. So again, it's not just simple as, okay, read your Bible more and you'll have a biblical worldview. It takes some work. Um, so I'm not oversimplifying that, but I'm saying that you need to be proactive. Start yeah. there. And, and then I go back to how you began and you said one of your, the things that you spend a lot of time on is Bible knowledge. Mm -hmm. So that speaks to you. You are directly attacking this challenge, right? <laughs> uh, hopefully, when you start, <laughs> hopefully. And I wish you luck in that. Uh, but how that, in the area of business? How do you? What What are your thoughts around how do we engage people and encourage them to have just just put things down and spend more time in this. Uh, you know, intention, attention, repetition kind of cycle of developing spiritual practice. Any, any thoughts? Yeah. Um, it's, it's really hard. And I would say start off by being honest. Like I struggle with it too. Like I've got three young kids. I've got, you know, really active yep. church. I do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I'm assistant coach, my son's hockey team. Like I, I'm doing all the stuff all too. Okay. So I get it just being, it's hard. It's really hard. And we don't have the kind of the cultural context that supports even a day of rest anymore. Like when I grew up, we yes. didn't have hockey on Sundays. There's no stores yes. open on Sundays. So that changed, that's you know, for a variety of cultural changes. And that's, you know, it is what it is. 
But so we need to actually do the work. So being honest about it for one, but also, again, going back to the scriptures, say that God does this for us. He actually commands it. And so this isn't just something that another box we have to tick. Oh, this is something God wants us to do. He actually, his commands are there because they're good for us and because he loves us. So God is, you know, God is wonderful. He's almighty. He's loving. Uh, we call him our heavenly father. He does these things because he loves us. And um, it's the same with all the commandments. Well, don't steal. Well, why not? Because God's a provider and, and we should be content with what he, like, everything is connected to something in the goodness of God. So rest it's about kind of yeah. casting a, a picture of hope about what you know when you when you have a good night's sleep, when you kind of turn your devices off at seven p.m. Um, and, and you you wake up the day you're starting and, and pray in the Bible and you start your day. How do you feel? Good. Do you make better mm. decisions? Yeah, I, I don't react as much. I make thoughtful decisions instead of thoughtless reactions. Um, I'm mm. I'm I'm better at my you know at, at actually living by my priorities. You know, so it's casting that sense of. This is actually good for you. But it's hard because when as soon as people get in the cycle of the hamster wheel, it's yeah. so hard to, to get out of it. So I just think casting that vision of hope around, you know, what God wants for us and being honest that this is all something we're struggling with and we have to do it. It's like, you know, may, maybe there was a time in history where there was like a lack of things to do and hey, there's something to do. Great. Here's an opportunity. Let's go play soccer on Thursday nights. Now there is programming all the time, all over the place, including yeah. in the church. And it's just like, oh my goodness, I can't even take five minutes to breathe. So it's really, really an epidemic yeah. and it's hard and I don't have a perfect answer for that, but, uh, but modeling it and being honest about it and, um, and kind of casting that positive vision that this is actually uh, God's, uh, God's wonderful plan for us because he loves us and wants the best for us. No, but thank you for naming it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's where you start, at least in acknowledge it. Yeah. Acknowledging it. Mm. Uh, describe to me, uh, Matthew, the, uh, discipleship ethos mm-hmm. in your congregation. Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm sure it didn't come about uh, automatically. I, you know, there was there was intention into, into growing a, an ethos, right? Yeah. A culture. And has, how has it changed? You know, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wrote down a few things here. In terms of ethos, um, again, I want to say, as I say all, all this stuff, like we're not perfect and uh, there's no perfect church oh, no. Uh, ours is far from perfect um as i say there's been some things that have been positive that have worked um well, if you see a perfect church yeah, avoid it, yeah, that's right because there's no room for <laughs> for sinners like us right so i just want i yeah. just feel like i should say that but um i think using the language of discipleship is helpful so first of all about discipleship mm-hmm. about god what are the outcomes because i think there's a temptation sometimes to use other words because we want to sound relevant or contemporary or something. And and there is a place sometimes for for adapting our language and how we speak about things and in ways people get, but but not with some of those core things. So using biblical mm-hmm. words to describe biblical ideas is part of having, I think, a biblical worldview. So talking about disciples, okay, hey, we're as, as disciples of Jesus, what does this mean for us? Um, disciple uh, Disciples, that word comes up 269 times. In the Bible, was it? Uh, more so than Christian, that's for sure. Uh, Dallas Willard, you know, well known. He says the New Testament is a book yes. about disciples, by disciples, and for disciples. So I think that's uh, that's helpful use, using that in terms of the ethos. In terms of change, you kind of alluded to this earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, talk to people about change. Tried to lead change. I think we've had some significant changes here in this congregation. Read books about it and stuff. I think. Kind of the, the, the consistent things I, I see is consistency, a focus on discipleship, your relationship with that, consistency. 
I think people need to see trust in the leadership, uh, and this has mm. to happen over time. So what what is the consistent message? What is the consistent focus? I think people need to trust in the leadership that that leadership is fundamentally trustworthy and good, and then uh, being that, you know, having that that message and that consistency over time. I think that kind of really influences a you know the culture of a of a place. Um, so I, I think those those sorts those sorts of things are kind of over the long term and sticking to it are are kind of impactful. Hmm. And then uh, I, I've got some questions around resources. Yeah. Before we go there, one final kind of overarching question: mm-hmm. How would you? Uh, I mean, we talked about there being no perfect church, mm-hmm. but if you were to describe a vibrant church, uh, a church that's flourishing, how would you kind of describe it? Uh, what are some of the facets that you would bring into play as you think about uh, a vibrant, flourishing church? Yeah, I would think first and foremost, it's focused on Jesus. Uh, that's important. You know, he's, it's all about him. about him. You know, it's focused on Jesus. Are we Christ-centered? Are we mm. glorifying God? Are we trying to grow in Christ-likeness? Is, is, the, is the Jesus we learn about and seek to follow and share the Jesus of the Gospels? Um, because that's where the biblical knowledge comes in, too. There's a whole bunch of versions of Jesus out there. Um, it's all connected, right? Yeah, all yeah. these various, and people will make up, you know, people, quite often what happens is people will, you know, take their own sort of moral ideal and they'll project it onto Jesus, whether or not he actually said or did anything like consistent with their their thoughts. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, Christ-centered, I think, um, that, that's, that's the key thing. And then the other thing that's come to mind is... Well, yeah, I think, and you've alluded to some of these things. I think there needs to be kind of a healthy leadership culture, uh, for sure, uh, where there's where there's kind of that mutual prayerful discernment around the vision, direction of the church, uh, openness around decision making, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I would say two other things. I would say one is uh, internal spiritual disciplines, so people are actually uh, cultivating their their spiritual life, and they are mm-hmm. taking responsibility for that. So they are they're growing in their faith. So they are studying the scriptures, they are praying, they are worshiping, etc. Um, but also is that outward focus. So, okay, if I'm doing this, we're not just this little country club. Uh, we are we're actually here to be salt and light. We want to bless the community. So how are we blessing the community with, with a program, with an outreach, with, with an initiative? We need to be sharing and showing the light of Jesus. So, um, yeah, Christ-centered, you know, healthy leadership and vision. Uh, inward spiritual disciplines, and I think kind of an outward focus, I think, is is good. And I think there's enough checks and balances in there. I, I didn't know this ahead of time, so I, I might add something else to that on no, reflection, okay. but I think that's yeah. kind of first what comes to mind. Good, good. Yeah. Wow. This has got so much of uh, good meat in, in what you said. I'm going to look, I'm going to see it again and, and maybe carve out pieces <laughs> for maybe additional interviews oh, all the time, but yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued that you're one of the few who mentioned, say, for example, spiritual warfare. Mm. Right? I haven't heard that mentioned too many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also one of the few who mentioned sp- scripture memorization. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that too. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, sh- I'm sure I'll come back to you. Yeah. Well, well, it's interesting <laughs> but, about, about scripture memorization. Um, you know, there's so many stories about, you know, God using that through time to encourage people and build them up. Um where something's happened in their life and a verse will come to mind or something. Yeah. And and I just yeah. find for me as a pastor, you know, people could like if people come to me and talk to me about something and I'm just giving my own advice, like that's a waste of time. Who cares? Yeah. 
Um, what is what is godly? What does God teach us through the scriptures? Or what is some wisdom from that? That's where the gold is. You know, that's that's what matters. Right. Um, no one cares. And even by the way, we haven't really. You know, I didn't really touch on it, but part of my my strategy now, within the past few years, has shifted to more expositional preaching or expository preaching. So, mm-hmm. for people who don't know what that is, there's different kinds of preaching, and so mm-hmm. expository tre- preaching is really going through books of the Bible, kind of, and you're preaching through line by line. So you're you're sticking very closely to the text, because yes. you know if if and what this is a place where I've come to, and there's thematic preaching and this and that and the other thing and. But, you know, if it's not sort of just taking people through, people aren't going to learn the scriptures, and they're going to be doing their own work, absolutely, but from the pulpit, uh, from the person who is trained to and ordained to do so, um, going through, okay, this is what the scripture, what's the context, what does this mean, how do we apply this to our right. lives? So that's just so, so important, I think, uh, and, and taking people through. So I think we've had a really good sense of that. And then our small groups are based on that. So then the groups are getting mm-hmm. together through the week, and they're... There's someone who does questions, and everyone's got their Bible. They're open. They're going through. What does this mean? Let's all share ideas, thoughts. How do we apply what, this? What you just preached on Sunday? Yeah, the kind of. So they yeah, meet yeah. Uh, the week, but it's always based on, on what the Sunday is. So anyway, I forgot what started off that. But no, no, no. That that's that's important because uh, I, I'm finding that a lot of preaching nowadays is not expository. It's kind of finding scripture to, to. Uh, uh, say what you want to say yeah. to, to kind of confirm what you think you, you, what's well, in your it's, mind. Yeah, and it, that's not expository. Yeah, and, and, and I think I think really kind of in mainline context, something can't, called the uh, lectionary became very popular, which kind of would take people through major texts in a three-year cycle, and there's a lot of usefulness to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it also kind of cuts out uh, certain sometimes controversial passages, which is its own issue. Um, but but I think just going kind of going through the text, make sure that you're sticking to the text as opposed to just yeah. your own hobby horse. Um, now people can jump around to different biblical, you know, kind of books as they preach through them books, to yeah. do that in, in their own way. Uh, so that's why you've got to be doing that hard work and you, you want to have integrity when you get up there. Um, you know, yeah. you think of, um, uh, what is it? Acts twenty twenty seven. you know, preaching through the whole count or, or, you know, being sincere by the whole counsel of God. I've not withheld that. I've not yeah. shirked from that. Yeah. So, so I do think that is that is important. Um, anyway, but oh yeah, memorization—that's what it was about. So, I just think it's a discipline, and and we've lost so much of our memory. We don't need memories. So, if you think of your, you know, like a muscle, if you don't use your muscles, they're going to get flabby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the ancient world, mm-hmm. people could memorize. We hear stories of boys preparing for bar mitzvahs, memorizing an entire book of the Old Testament, like. Um, and, and, and people being able to recall incredible amounts of information. And what I find, as I've committed this to a discipline uh, over the last several years, uh, many years, you can amass uh, so many scriptures in your mind to, to use them at times. Not to proof text or whatever, yes. but like it starts yes. to inform your thinking. And, oh, yeah, and, yes. well, Mary said that, and Jesus said that. And this reminds me of this situation. Well, in the book of the prophet Isaiah, because this, this kind of comes out of us, so... And, and the more you use those muscles, the more they, um, you know, the more you fortify them. And it becomes great because as you go through life, you can use that that wisdom from God and, and apply it in meaningful ways. So, Matthew, I mean, just hearing you, I, I, I get so inspired when I hear people like you talking like this. You must be, at least from the research that I've done, one of the very few churches that have got this kind of ethos. Uh, I'm talking about Karen. Mm. 
And that is not putting on a pedestal or anything, but that's actually a, a lament or, of sorts. Because a lot of the churches and congregations are falling away because they don't have this built into their, their system, into their culture, mm. right? Learning the Bible, not just in memorizing, just even knowing the Bible. Yeah, knowing. And, and that, and that and really... Forget about knowing the Bible, knowing the first five books of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, people. but that also, but that and also, I, and I, I just want to reiterate this again. You know, the knowledge leads to action, and so when we like, oh wait a second, what is the Great Commission? Well, gee, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, then you know, etc. What is the great command? You know, what 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 does it say about loving your enemies? You know, well, if this is the inspired word of God, and it is, and if we are disciples, and we are. Then we will do these things, and and you know when, when churches you know the, there can be challenges and arguments about this and that. Those are the things you want to be arguing about. How are we going to do this? Mm. Um, mm. I don't care what color the carpet is. Rip it out. Who cares? Mm. But mm-hmm. what we want to like th- these are the important things. And so uh, if we know them and if we take them seriously, we will do them. Uh, we may stumble. It's a stumbling obedience. We make mistakes. We get picked. The Holy Spirit, oh, yeah. you know, prompts us down the thing. And uh, some years are better than others. And there's seasons in a church life. I get that. But this is the general direction. Our, our, our eyes are fixed on that horizon, and that's the, the direction in which we're headed. Fantastic. So, uh, resources. I know you mentioned a few at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you be kind enough to send us maybe links so that we can either post them on this video yeah. as a... As a Something that people can get to, or in a separate place on on our website, for example. Yeah, I'll join you. Mention a few of them, then I'll send you the links after. Yeah, you can. I'll just mention them. So, so there's the devotional. No, these are ones that I've produced. Yes. So there's the daily devotional, which I think is a variety of forms. There's the Pulse podcast. So that and that can also. I don't know who's listening to this, but that can also be people can kind of see some of the stuff that what's possible with the online because. How long with the podcast? Uh, it depends. So, like a like a Bible study podcast might be you know between twenty five and thirty five minutes. Interviews are kind of like this length, so maybe forty five minutes an hour. Um, a special talk might be ten or fifteen minutes. But for, say, for example, there's some issue in the congregation, or someone wants to learn about whatever. Uh, you can okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna produ- produce a resource on this, and through a podcast or a blog, and you can. You can make something that's easy and get something free from WordPress or whatever. You can you can you know do whatever you want. Um, you can do that anyway. So I'll so I'll share my website and the and the podcast. Okay. Uh, also, I've put together some resources around Bibles. Uh, sorry, study Bibles, because that can really be. So we we live in the time of unprecedented production of resources uh, to help you and your Christian discipleship. Like, there's not not a time in church history which has been as rich as this time is. You know. Biblical studies, apologetics, evangelism, oh, discipleship, discipline—it's unreal. So, even even books and, and popular podcasts, just you know, so much stuff coming out. Uh, Bible study. What what do you look for? Uh, I've created a confirmation resource for young people, so as they go through the confirmation okay. process, because I didn't like some of the yeah. stuff that was out there. And there's yeah. actually a resources uh, place on my website. So there's a list called Believer. Believer plus leader equals believer. Yeah. So it's an email list that I've got that I share resources with uh, with leaders in the church. And so there's free videos to nice. use during worship, free illustrations for preaching and teaching, oh, yeah? um, sometimes okay. free graphics you can use for your online stuff. So there's that as well. So those are some of the resources that, that I've done, but I'm happy to share the links That's later great. with you. Perfect. Thanks yeah. so much. And then final question before we kind of wrap up. 
as much as I hate to wrap up, <laughs> I can go on forever. Uh, as a pastor, and you've been pastoring for just 14 years in this church, but were you a pastor before that? No, it was my first one. No, your first one? And he kept you so good for you. <laughs> uh, what words of advice would you give another pastor who is considering developing a culture of deeper spirituality and, and faith practice in their congregations? Yeah, yeah. I would say you need to go first. Uh, I would say you mm. need to do the work yourself. And don't expect other people to change if you're not going to change. So uh, I think that's really, really important. Um, what What is my... What do my spiritual disciplines look like? How how is my discipleship? Um, are you willing to wage war on your own sin? Are you willing to make sacrifices for the glory of God? So, am I am I going to develop godly practices um, that are biblical um, in my life and prioritize them? So, I think you need to go first. I think that's the first and foremost thing. Um, again, I would commend people to expository preaching. You know, when you go. And it's kind of maybe it's a bit out of vogue, but uh, you know it, it, it's not boring. It's powerful. The, te- the text is the text, so mm. I think that's really really helpful because people learn things from the text. So when you go, that's also kind of a personal accountability. I'm going to go through here, and I'm going to explain it. I'm going to try to do it in an engaging, relevant way with application, etc. So we do that. Even if it's something I don't want to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and also just having the sensitivity, like, okay, I'm coming up on a difficult passage. I'm going to maybe do less text, but we're going to talk about it more. And we're going to talk about how this isn't mm. a, this is a pastoral thing, and, we, and we're, we're all struggling yeah. with this. And this is, so you need to teach to know that and, and take the time with that. Um, mm-hmm. The context of spiritual warfare, I would say, Chris, that's something that I would um, say to another pastor, mm-hmm. because really, it, it motivates people. Like I'm going to get on my knees, like, and I'm going to, I'm going to want to grow in that relationship with God, right? What does James say in James four? You know, uh, come near to God, and He will come near to you. Like, resist the devil, He will flee from you. So this is a motivator for spiritual practices. You, sorry, do you have a podcast on that particular spiritual warfare? Uh, I, I did an interview with John Thompson about that. So yeah, I can send that to you. It's all about okay, spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think I'd love to have. have and I think I think the communicate, communicate, communicate. I think it's important about the two things, the, the, the personal or the private spiritual disciplines yes. and the corporate and the ones. Corporate. People need to know this. Uh, we can't assume that there's any knowledge around these things. So I, I think that when I say communicate, it's not just from the pulpit. It's are these things being communicated and their importance through our social media, through our weekly email, through MailChimp or whatever. Because, um, like, you know, before, like let's say before people were, most people in your congregation were at church three, three out of four Sundays. That's just not the reality for most churches anymore. And so mm-hmm. the place where most people got their information was a 10-point font in a church bulletin that was printed and handed out to people who showed up. Well, it just doesn't work anymore. So like even today, yeah. people seem less informed sometimes, and you got like something in the bulletin. You've done it for three weeks there. You put it on the, a podcast, a blog, social media, you're like all this stuff. <laughs> it's like people don't know what's going on. So uh, they do sometimes if they're paying yep. attention. So, so communicating, you know, how 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 are our, our church communications saturated with with these sorts of messages? And then, yeah, just seizing those oppor- online opportunities. I think that's great. It's not going away. It's uh, it's going to get uh, more important as we go on. So, you know, I, re- I really do think the you know the new front door of the church is the website. Um, maybe it's a church app. Maybe it's a podcast. Some some online tool 
is really the the new front door. So uh, seizing those opportunities to to develop that language around discipleship, spiritual disciplines, those sorts of things, because that's where a lot of people are spending uh, their time. Yeah, so I think, I think that's kind of a, a bit of a summary, but the most important of those is you need to go first. What is your own? So model it what is, first. Yeah, you have model to model it first. What is your own? Are you committed to your own personal growth? Are you committed to your own relationship with the Lord? Are you taking that seriously? Because if you're not, people can smell a fake from two miles away. And not to say that we're perfect and we make mistakes and we got to own them when it happens, but we're we're on a journey here. We we mean this, and if we're not called to this, we don't believe it. We just gotta you just gotta quit because you're hurting people. So if you believe this, cultivate that relationship, grow, be honest, be on your knees, and uh, and 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 lead from there. And I think yeah, and I think if you pair that with the spiritual warfare aspect of it, you learn to trust God for the outcomes. So as yeah. you model your life. You don't have to worry about whether the congregation is going to grow or not. That's God's business. Yeah. That just to be able to trust him for, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard a pastor say once, um, and he and he said his dad told it to him, and he doesn't know where he heard it, but it was like, you know, you worry about uh, the depth of your ministry. God will take care of the breadth. Mm. I think that was good. Because mm. we can we can get mm. stuck in these strategies. We can get stuck in numerical growth. Mm. And I'm not saying it's not important, because it is. Like, uh, thank the Lord that the, that. that the like church that. in the book of Acts cared about conversion, you know, it, it actually matters. We want to make disciples. Um, that's the Great yeah. Commission. We want, yeah. to see, like, these things are real. Spiritual warfare is real. Heaven's real. Hell's real. Like, it's all real. So, you know, we are talking about life and death things here. And so, um, um, I, I just think that's a, that's a, that's a good motivating factor. We want to, we want to be modeling this. We want to, we want to go first yeah. and uh, it, it matters. I think there's, uh, someone put it another way. He said, uh, you be faithful, God will be fruitful. God will make fruitful Yeah, happen. Yeah, that's good. And yeah. it takes time. Yeah. We've had different seasons yeah. here at the church, and um, sometimes you can see fruit right away, or sometimes you, you can't. Um, we just have to entrust it to Him. Our job is to be faithful, you know, leave, leave yeah. the results to Him. And uh, we, we celebrate those victories when we see them. Uh, I remember at a yeah. small group I was in, a lady said, um, one night she said, you know what, for years I would have called myself a Christian, but now I know I am one. And I was like, wow, wow. that was just so great. Yes. Or to see a young yes. person, you know, confess their faith in Jesus. They're 12 years old and they get yeah. baptized. Like just, the, yeah. and those are wonderful, fruitful moments you celebrate. Yeah. And no, you just got to entrust yeah. it all to God, knowing there's going to be setbacks. But the key is faithfulness, um, yeah. you know, not not a bunch of the other and lesser things. Well, Matthew, I, like I said, I can go for hours, but I won't. <laughs> oh, it's been good to talk <laughs> Thank to you. Thank you so <laughs> To learn more about the Reverend Matthew Rutten and his ministry, subscribe to his podcast, The Pulse Podcast, on his website, matthewrutten.com. Or if you have a busy day, subscribe to the Reverend's one-minute daily devotional, The Up Devotional, which you can find on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.